Good evening. Welcome to the first chapel service of the 2008 winter term. Are you glad you're here? Yes. All right, would you ask the person next to you if they are glad you're here? I think I see some people that I haven't met before. Um, if this is, if this is not your first time to be in a chapel service, would you stand? Not. Okay. So say hello to the people who aren't standing, would you? Hi. here to finish the race, keep the faith. Um, we have a little winter, winter artwork to help us get through the next, the next three months. So we are here to and when you go home today, I want you to take a look at your schedule because the artist put in a little endurance in the runner. And I, I, so I need you to look and, and then come tell me where it is tomorrow. All right? Somebody help me pray. We want to bless your name for everything that you've done. We want to bless your name for all that you're going to do. We want to bless your name when the road's marked with suffering. We want to bless your name when it's all as it should be. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your promise. Thank you for being you and helping us to be more like you. We give you praise and we give it in your name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. Well, we're at the beginning of a new term. Everybody ready? Already have all your homework finished? Um, if you want to send a note to somebody, how do you do it? Okay, need to see a show of hands. How many people actually use paper and pen and envelopes and stamps? Anybody do that anymore? Oh, really? Oh, I'm impressed. I expected everybody who had hair this color to be the people raising their hands. Okay. Um, how many people you're going to send a note, you send a message, it's email? Okay. Okay. Laptop, PC, handheld, doesn't matter just as long as you have a decent connection. And the person that's writing back to you doesn't send any pictures and you're on a dial-up modem, right? right? Okay, so how many people send a message and they do it, they text? Okay. Cell phone will travel. As long as your bill's paid, you're okay, right? Uh, now, what if somebody wants to send you a note and you'd rather not get it from them? Okay, so... If you send a letter, it can get lost in the mail, right? You get hidden in between the 16 catalogs that you got in the mail yesterday. Or you can just say, well, you know, I just didn't see it, right? Okay, now, what happens if somebody who's going to send you an email and you don't want to get an email from them, what do you do? Block it. Block it, or somebody said something else? Just accidentally delete it? Yeah. <laughs> Or it can just get shuffled off to the junk file, right? Okay. 
Now, I, I don't text very often, so I really don't know the answer to this question. What happens if you get a text from somebody you don't want to get a text from? Oh, okay. And so you just pretend next time you see that person that they really didn't send you anything? Really? Oh, your, your inbox is full? Oh, there. Heather's, Heather's got that word down. <laughs> Well, the letter we're going to look at was not one of those texts that we didn't want to get. It wasn't one of the emails that would go in the junk. Um, it's a letter that Paul sent to Timothy. So I need you to grab the Bible that's close to you and turn to, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Just hold on to that for a little bit and we'll get back to it. He was always glad to get notes from, from Paul. Timothy and Paul had a long-standing relationship. Actually, Paul, you know, was Timothy's spiritual father. He was his mentor. He was his teacher. He was his guide. He was his example. He was his friend. But by the time this letter gets written, Paul had been in prison for a while, and Timothy knew. So when the epistle showed up, FedEx, or something, you know, Brown gets it done, right? When the, when the letter showed up, he was glad to get it because it meant that his spiritual father and his friend was still alive. So he, so he took the scroll or took the papyrus or whatever it was that it came in and, and he began to read the thing and, and he realized that this letter wasn't like any of the other letters he'd ever received from Paul. It's a lot more personal. It was a lot more intimate. It, it, it was a lot more vulnerable than those before. And if we read the other letter that we do have from him, that's essentially this is how you can be effective in ministry kind of a letter. Practical applications that let's, let's, you want to head in this direction. But this one, uh, this one touched Timothy in a different way. He was encouraged by it. He was challenged by it. He was a little concerned because of what it said. He's also helped him to get ready to move. See, Paul wanted Timothy to come visit him in Rome, but it wasn't at the Hilton. He wanted him to come visit him in Rome because he was in prison. And he wanted him to come, and when he came, he wanted him to bring some books, uh, some textbooks. He had some uh, reading report that was due next week. He wanted them to bring a coat because winter was coming. He wanted them to get there soon. He wanted them to get there soon. And so, and so while Timothy was pulling all those things together that he needed to make the trip, there were some things that, were, that came from the letter that kept going over and over in his mind. So toward the end of it, chapter 4 in our version, Paul wrote to him, he says, I'm going to read from the New American Standard just so you know it's a little different from yours. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and by his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but... Wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. 
But you, you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now, what was Paul thinking when he wrote that? I mean, why was he giving Timothy those kinds of instructions, those kinds of commands, really? These aren't just suggestions. He's saying to his, his son and the Lord, this is what I want you to do, get at this. Hadn't Timothy already proven himself? I mean, didn't Paul know that he was a faithful minister? Timothy thought back to the day that Paul came to his hometown of, of Lystra, he was there when, when, he, when Paul performed miracles in Jesus' name and he watched Paul's life and he listened to him teach and eventually Timothy and his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois all came to faith in Christ because of Paul's witness. Timothy went on to be Paul's partner. They traveled the Roman Empire. They made their way up and down around that Mediterranean basin willing to do whatever it took so that they could tell somebody else about Jesus. Sometimes they worked in tandem. Sometimes they worked solo. But always, always, these two were together in spirit. Paul knew Timothy. Paul knew Timothy better than Timothy maybe knew himself. So why the to-do list? Why this to-do list for ministry and, and why now? Well, so he looked the letter back over again, like I want us to do. Paul goes on to say, for, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. The word of the Lord. So there it was. Paul was getting ready to die. And he wanted Timothy to know. Paul was getting ready to put all those things in order because he knew his life wasn't going to last long and he wanted Timothy to take up where he was leaving off. Paul had been doing everything that was on the list. He had helped Timothy to learn how to do those things that were on the list and he probably assumed that Timothy was doing a pretty good job too. But now, but now somebody needed to carry on. That fighting a good fight, that's just tag team wrestling, and they needed somebody that he could tag off to so they could continue the next round. Finishing the race, needed somebody that would be on the other side of that baton so they could run the next leg. And keeping the faith, needed somebody else to fulfill what God had called them to do. Paul's call had come first, Timothy's had come later, Paul's life was coming to an end. He needed Timothy to move into that next phase. And Timothy could tell from the way that he wrote that he didn't want him to wait until Rome to get started. Uh, Paul wasn't interested in some kind of commissioning ceremony where he would take this mantle and he would give it ceremoniously to Timothy and Paul would go his way and Timothy would go on. Uh, no, Paul, Paul wanted him to do, not, Paul wanted him to not wait until tomorrow to do the thing that he could do today. 
So he looked at the list one more time. Preach the word. Be ready. With great patience, reprove and rebuke and exhort. Be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill the ministry. Fulfill your ministry. And there it was. It's that last phrase, isn't it? The last phrase says it all. Fulfill your ministry. Be and do whatever it is that God has called you to. Now, Timothy already had his hands full. He's in Ephesus. Paul's in Rome. That was Paul's idea. They, they think that he had probably been appointed overseer or bishop of the church at Ephesus. Anybody ever been an overseer or a bishop of a church? How about a pastor? How about a ministry leader? Had his hands full, didn't he? But somehow, somehow these words of Paul's rang true in, in Timothy's heart in new ways that day. Fulfill your ministry. Be and do what God has called you to. What it looked like in the future, Timothy didn't know. Didn't know for sure. He just knew that he was to fulfill, fulfill his ministry today and tomorrow would take care of itself. So there's the phrase. Fulfill your ministry. What's it mean for us? Uh, most of you know that I have the privilege of teaching an introduction to Christian service. We just finished a term. Everyone did well. Your homework's in your boxes. Well, most everyone did well. In the class, we spend some time talking about our calls to ministry and, and about the way that God has equipped us to fulfill those calls. And when we talk about calls to ministry, most of the time people say, God's called me to preach or God's called me to pastor. In fact, I think this last class about half. But God has also called others to be a counselor, to be a teacher, to be a missionary, to be a musician, to be a youth pastor, and I'm glad he called somebody other than me to do that. <laughs> and, or to be a children's pastor. Sometimes, sometimes, people in the class will say, God's called me to NBC. That's all I know. Don't know what it looks like on the other side, but all I know is that this is where I'm supposed to be now, and he'll take care of me the next step, when the next step comes. And we, and we all marvel at the grace that's brought us all to this place. So let me remind us one more time, this is a privileged place because we share space with God-called men and women. And the people around you are physical evidence of their obedience. So take encouragement from their being here too. That said though, God is leading us each into different places, each into unique ministries. In fact, in fact I think there are some things on Timothy's list that don't apply to some of God's called ministers. See, I think God has gifted those folks to serve in ways other than preaching, in ways other than evangelism. I think we all have to serve with great patience. Just let me throw that in there. But those, those ministers will teach, they'll counsel, they'll sing. Some of them will bind wounds and build houses. 
Some of them will paint paintings and start businesses. Some of them will install water pumps or pull teeth. But the one phrase in Paul's letter that applies to us all is fulfill your ministry. So how do we do that? First, first we do that by being his, by being God's. Totally, fully, completely, entirely, whatever other Lee you want to put in there, his. His. Because it is impossible for, impossible for us to fulfill the ministry that God has called us to if we don't belong to him. If we're not his. If we're not his. Remember Jesus' words, no one can serve two masters, for, he, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise. No one can serve wealth and God. No one can serve two masters. So if we are going to fulfill the ministry that God has called us to, we will have to be fully, totally, completely, entirely his. Second way. Second way that we can fulfill our ministry is by being us. By being as holy and as whole and as healthy as we know to be and by taking steps to move in that direction. By being as holy and as whole, W-H-O-L, and as healthy as we know to be and by intentionally taking steps in that direction. That's discipleship. That's being a follower of Christ. Recognizing the places in our lives where those three things aren't quite what they could be yet. Remember the quote from the class. I won't ask you to finish it. I know that you've forgotten maybe. Neil Wiseman said, God enables the called beyond their limitations, but he seldom fixes an inadequacy that we can fix ourselves. God enables the called beyond their limitations, but he seldom fixes an inadequacy that we can fix ourselves. And so those places in our life that are not as holy as they can be, or those places in our life that are not as whole as it can be, or not as healthy as they can be. He waits for us to take those steps so that we can fulfill our ministry. Third way, the third way, is by being here. Fully, totally, completely, entirely, whateverly, here. Now, for you, campus students, people who are part of the campus community, that means being here in Colorado Springs. For online students, that means wherever you live. For every student, for every member of the NBC family, it means fully embracing where God has called you to serve now. Let me go back and let me include me, where God has called us to serve now. 
Because we can't, can't completely fulfill our ministry if we're not willing to do now what he's asking us to do now. And if we're not willing to be where he wants us to be now. You and I have had way too many conversations with, with brothers and sisters who have been called to ministry who keep looking over their shoulder. And they can't get forward because they keep looking back. And we've also had conversations with people who are looking so far ahead that they don't know where they are because they've got three moves down the line already planned out. Unless we're willing to be fully, totally, completely, entirely here, we can't fulfill our ministry. We can't because we're someplace else. And that's not where he wants us to be not where he wants us to be. Too often, too often, that kind of backward looking or forward planning becomes a distraction. And I've seen people lose their call. I've seen people lose their relationship with Christ because they forgot that he had called them here to be his here now. We don't know, we don't know if Timothy made the trip to Rome or not. There's any evidence. If he did, if he did, we're not sure that if he was there, not sure that he was there when Paul was beheaded. But if Timothy made the trip and he was able to see Paul before he died, chances are Timothy saw Paul die too. But the record seems to indicate that whatever his response to this very personal letter, whatever this, his response to that plea, Timothy carried on. Evidently, none of what happened to Paul changed Timothy's determination to do and be what God had called him to. None of it had any impact on his determination to fulfill his ministry until the end of his days. In fact, in fact, if the legend is true, the legend is true, fulfilling his ministry is ultimately what took Timothy's life. I told you that he had been appointed bishop of the church in Ephesus. Uh, and I think maybe he started in, in the year 65, about the year 80. There was a parade, and Timothy had had it up to here. So let me read you this ancient account of what, he, of what happened. It says, At Ephesus, the pagans made a feast day in honor of their idols. And they carried those idols through the city, accompanied by impious ceremonies and songs. And the holy bishop Timothy, zealous for the glory of God, attempted to halt the procession and reason with the spiritually blind, idol-worshiping people by preaching the true faith in Christ. The pagans dashed angrily upon the holy disciple. They beat him, they dragged him along the ground, and finally, they stoned him to death. That day too, Timothy fulfilled his ministry. And God is waiting for us to fulfill ours. God is waiting for us 
to be fully his, to be fully us, and to be fully here. Let's pray a minute. I don't want to take away, Father, anything, anything from the evidence of my brothers and sisters' faith in you by their presence, indicated by their presence in this room. But I do ask, I do ask that you'd help us to know whether or not we are taking care of that one short phrase if we are completely fulfilling our ministry now. Point to the places in our lives where that's not so. We trust your spirit for your help. Point to the places in our lives where we need to make a move and, and we'll trust your spirit for your strength. We want to be yours, oh, for grace to love you more. We want to be yours, oh, for grace to follow you more. Accept what we offer for your use, for your purposes. So fulfill your ministry. We're dismissed.